You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a good CarCast episode for you coming up. We're going to talk about some uh, some editing flaws in, uh, in our series Going Racing with Adam Carolla on Vero. And then we're going to talk about this great new documentary called Framing John DeLorean. It's a wonderful story. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about uh, J.B. Weld. For big or small project repairs at home or the garage, you need something that lasts. We're proud to have J.B. Weld Epoxy Adhesive as our sponsor. Keep JB Weld in your toolbox, kitchen drawer, and craft room. It's good for metal, wood, plastic, and more, pretty much anything. It's made in the USA. Pros and DIYers have trusted JB Weld for more than 50 years. We use it here at home and in the garage and in the studio and the shop over there, pretty much everywhere. We've got it stored everywhere. It's available at jbweld.com. It's at Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts. Uh, O'Reilly, Walmart, Amazon, and more. J.B. Weld, the world's strongest bond. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. A choice, but to get on mandate. Get it on. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. It's CarCast. I'm Adam Corral. That's Matt, the motorator, DeAndrea, over there. Uh, we got an interesting guest. Yeah. Tamir Ardon is coming in here. He made a uh, documentary called Framing John DeLorean, which I watched. I did as well. Very innovative, yeah. very interesting. DeLorean's a very interesting character. <clears throat> and, Great story. Uh, and not only that, but uh, Alec Baldwin stars in his DeLorean doc as yeah. John DeLorean. So it's a very interesting story with prosthetics and a sort of behind the scenes. It's very... It breaks down a lot of convention that normal docs have. Sit yeah. down, interview, stock photos, and things like this. Some reenactments. And, Some reenactment, yeah. but this is a reenactment in a reenactment on a reenactment. <laughs> it's it's you like have, a documentary of the reenactment. You have like Baldwin <laughs> sitting in the makeup chair, getting the prosthetic chin put on and everything else. So a very interesting watch. Yeah. And uh, you do not have to be a car person to enjoy it. But uh, if you're listening, you probably are a car person. Uh <laughs> CarCast brought to you by uh, Castrol Oil. Thank them for that. And Zycote brought to you as well by Zycote. Uh, better engine performance, horsepower, fuel economy, lower under hood temperatures. Zybar, the ultra-thin temperature coating, reduces radiant heat by 90%. Put Zybar on, take heat off. You can learn more at Zycote.com. And uh, also... Uh, let's see. What do we got here? All right. So we'll bring our guest in in a, in a moment. He drove a 91 NSX over here yeah. as well, which is nice. I've always liked those cars. I saw him on the road this morning leaving the west side, and I was like, it's, it's for some reason, every time I see somebody like on the road in a cool car at that time in the morning, I'm like, that's got to be our guest. <laughs> and and like I saw it with Spike Ferriston, he came in for the first time, and I was like, "Who's this guy driving this Porsche?" It's like this Porsche is kind of older and looks kind of cool, and I was like, "It's got to be him." And sure enough, the whole time here we're just following each other. <laughs> well, you know the thing I like about, especially the first gen NSX, but any NSX, I, <clears throat> so I feel the same way about like when I would see somebody in an Audi S8 like from the late 90s yeah. or the early 2000s. And I'd go, 
Well, that guy's got some money, but so does the guy in the BMW 7 Series and the Mercedes 6.3, whatever. I don't even know all the Mercedes designations. But that guy thinks a little bit differently. Yeah. Because the Audi S8 at the time was just a cooler. They probably didn't sell near as many units as BMW or Mercedes did, but there was something cool about them. And you want – that guy's discerning. Like that guy knows cars. The other people are rich guys who are driving a nice car, but this guy's a rich guy who knows something about cars. I feel that way with the NSX. Yeah. And when you mention S8, I immediately think Ronin. Yes. The movie, right? Yeah. And 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 by the way, great sounds in that movie. Great engine sounds. Nate wants to put generic guitar just, just over the yeah. That's what it was missing. And then the drums kick in. <laughs> That's oh, what it was missing. I don't even think there was any. I don't think, now that you mentioned it, I don't know if there was music during those scenes. The well, as we scenes. learned from watching the show, the movie Rendezvous, you need lots of generic guitar. Otherwise, it, 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 it gives you the illusion of speed. Yeah. I remember when he was specking out the car in that movie. He wanted a nitrous kit. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was like kind of the chubby driver guy. And he's like, we need to, yeah, I forgot what he said. Well, as long as we were, nitrous kit on it. we were complaining. You can watch <laughs> Adam Carolla goes racing at Vero, but, but Max Zapata <laughs> does have the clip I was complaining to you about, which is the, uh, I have notes. Yes. And we my, were talking about them on the Last night. And my notes yeah. for people who do things, Max Apatis had a few of these notes, which is, <laughs> make it better. <laughs> make it better. And I've had to tell people like all the time, like, don't, no, don't use that. The race hasn't started yet. You're putting in stuff for when we're going slow. Or you got to put a little head on it so we know where we're at. Or, or have them shift or have the sound of the engine loud so you can hear it. So, like, yeah. here's the deal. <clears throat> Here's what we're attempting to do with the editing process. You listening, Max Pana? I don't like how you're putting me in this category. <laughs> we are trying to take things and make them better. Yeah, that's, that's the fine. editing process. Yeah. So with jokes, Seems you have to have easy. a little head at the front, a little tail in the rear. It's a little pace, a little timing. Yeah. When you're doing a visual part, you don't take chitty chitty bang bang cars that are beige from the 30s with wooden wheels. You take cool Ferrari GTOs. Yeah, when it's and a racing event. <laughs> when you're doing a in-car footage, you crank up the engine sound and you make this action around you exciting. But you try to keep the generic rock music over the guitars off or down and you try not to use footage from warm-up laps from before the race (laughs) in the body of the actual race sometimes there'll be stuff of just pulling onto the track like i'll see footage of me pulling onto the track the race hasn't started i'm pulling out of the pit oh that's what we got footage of the car so uh i'm insulted i'm in this i was now you've you've elevated your game these were earlier conversations we had but uh, I, again, I don't know. Like I would, I would say to Max Pata, who who has used the phrase "the shoot around." Like I, I've had a million, I've had people edit boxing clips. I've had them do car clips and stuff. And I go, just get all the good, exciting, fast. And then they show you the thing, and you go, "What happened to the big five punch combo?" And they go, oh, "I could put that in there." And it's like, okay, yeah, because you're showing the part where the guy's pulling the mouthpiece out of my mouth and I'm sitting down. <laughs> we want that. And they go, I'll put that in. Yeah. And I go, okay, but why to you. <laughs> but, I mean, Max Patton knows basketball. And just look at it as a highlight reel. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Zion, is it Williams? 
What's yeah. his last name? I always call him Zion. Just Zion. <laughs> they go like, that guy's going to be the first draft. And then they do what ESPN does 20 seconds. And it's just him in the air, just mashing the ball. <laughs> extended. Right. Down with it. Right. All right. So uh, <laughs> now the thing that's funny about this, and you can go to Vero. You go to Vero.com. .co. But uh, you want to download the app on your phone. Download the app and watch Am Corolla goes racing because the cars are bitching and it's something you'll never see. No one covers it on all the shitty, all the shit car shows they put all over the fucking TV. They never show any good cars or any vintage racing or any anything. It's just seeing the cars in my race are crazy. Yeah, it's a great group. But uh, you can see the in race footage, which is we'll run it for uh, run it for you and then we'll (laughs) have a look. Full bonsai Stupid on the Noco car. In. Oh, yeah. This guy's a nut. That guy flew in. I, I like the... grabbed a ship, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if my hand hit the ignition or something, but the car lost power. Then everybody went around me. Then I pulled off. Then I tried to get it started again. I think the ignition switch was down. I put the ignition switch up. I restarted the car. I got into the race. And yeah. got back into it, but I was right in the middle of it, and then I was like, not right in the middle of it. Watch but this it was wheel good. work. I had a good race with a BMW CSL. The guy was going good and kind of behind me. And Literally, as you said the word race, <laughs> you're going. It's a warm up lap. Yeah. Don't use footage from the warm up lap in the race. That's my. It's a pretty. I don't have a lot of requests. There's 10 laps. There's one warm-up. And they're always you always can tell because all the cars in front of me and me on straightaways are going back and forth, sawing at the wheel. But also you can tell because the engine isn't being revved. I'm on a straightaway and I'm yeah. not revving the engine. Yeah. Okay. Except for the Sunoco guy. He's always racing. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Whether you're a car guy or not, <laughs> or basketball basketball guy or not, just get get Zion dunking. Yeah, don't get him during the shoot around. Not the not the sitting on the bench with the towel around his neck. <laughs> we need to get one of those uh, aircraft style that red switch protector. You know, you got to flip. We the thing we of- what we we flip the switch over or whatever it is, and we did do the switch, and that yeah. was just me. I didn't know what I was doing. It's like a, I was like I was I I. I think what I was doing was I, I wanted to like go like what the fuck with yeah, like my like, like a r- hand up my yeah. hand up right hand and I, I just hit the I just like went like I was going like what and, and then I like started to grab for the stick shift in between my Italian what the fuck <laughs> and my I got to grab a gear here yeah. and I just kind of like spazzed and you, you and don't hit the notice thing. with the gloves on and everything and the vibration right. and the noise like you right. wouldn't know right yeah uh, anyway so we move the switch we took we took the switch. And we turned it over or something so that if your hand hit it up, it wouldn't go up or down. It was just, it was in a space where you, whatever the direction it was, it would be much harder to, to do it now that we flipped it over. Yeah, so yeah. We, we worked on it. Also, I can work on that spazzing out <laughs> in the car. Well, you wouldn't even think that like hitting the switch would be one of the things, but now it's going to be like on your brain. Like now you're going to think, no, if I, something happened, you'd be like, check this switch. I'm, <laughs> check I'm, any of the switches and I'm, the lights. I'm good <laughs> in that 
in that once I make a mistake like that, I won't make that mistake again. Like I, I won't go near that thing. But there are it is close to the gear shift. It is. Nah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's it could happen. Yeah. Anyway, stupid. But let's not use warm up lap footage in the body of the race. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Goes without saying, but it has been discussed a number of times. They do. There's an interior version and an exterior version. They like the outside version where the cars are just weaving around going half speed. Right. Okay. Very much warm up. All right. And I say all the time, get the engine going because yeah. that's the real feel. And during the warm up laps, you're not redlining the engine. Yeah. You'll hear the difference in the laps. I mean, one would think. <laughs> one, yeah. would, one would assume. <laughs> if you're going down a straightaway and the engine isn't revving. Yeah. That means we're on a warm-up lap. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, it's a good thing these. this is the first time they've ever edited. Uh, wait a minute. Talk about it all the time. <laughs> I get five years into it. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Shall we bring Tamir in? Uh, before we do that, Adam, so Alec Baldwin, we were talking about him earlier. He just did an interview. You're going to like this. He did it with Tucson, uh, uh, Tucson's newspaper, and they asked him about the match game returning. And he's talking about his wife and how she's going to make an appearance. And he's like, oh, well, how'd you convince her? And I said, well, I told her she's going to be here with some of the greats of comedy in the last 25 to 30 years. Oh, if they said my name. You know, <coughs> Caroline Rhea, Adam Carolla, Keenan Thompson, Horatio Sands. Wow. wow. Nice. It's Caroline Ray, by the way. Oh, Ray, sorry. She's probably I know who spells she is. It I... a, probably spells it in a weird way. R-H-E-A. Yeah, that is weird. You'd have yeah, to know. Is... Weird. All right. What's that bitch doing in front of me? Come on, Baldwin. Ladies, Ladies first. first. Ladies okay. first. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Why don't we get yeah. Tamir going up in here? You want me to hit uh, Zybar? Yeah, yes. I'll hit Zybar. Uh, we're using Zybar, man. Yeah. We're using it on the 935 brake ducting. Did you see that? I did, yeah. It looks Sh- good. Sean laid it down with the gun and everything, and it's it's a nice finish. It's a terrible piece of metal, but it's a really nice finish. <laughs> yeah, we're taking apart my 935, and we're redoing the brake ducting. And, uh, you know, because during those warm-up laps, the, the, those brake calipers take a beating, man. <laughs> <laughs> According to the video. <laughs> so uh, we got the uh, Zycode out. Zybar, man. Heat is the enemy, and this stuff is bulletproof, and it scrubs off that heat. So, like, if you're doing headers, you don't have to wrap it with that weird fire hose-looking stuff. Yeah. Uh, it increases horsepower and torque, reduces metal surface under hood temperatures. And uh, for your listeners, or our listeners that aren't DIYers, because, yeah, he had to mix that stuff up and put it in a gun and, and shoot it. You can send your parts in at Zycoat.com and click on the coding services. I think it was 15 days it he, takes, he, which is he a said, fast turnaround. I, I just talked to him. He said two weeks, and he's, he's beating that on pretty much every order. So you send in your headers, your yeah. intake manifold, or if you're going to do your turbo, take it apart and yeah. send in your shells and whatever, and they will and pick your color, and they'll do it in-house and send it back to you. So uh, yeah, check any, that out. Anywhere in the world, by the way. He'll, wow. Maybe not the two-week part, but the uh, turnaround, but... Zycode.com. So, uh, Tamir, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me on, guys. We make uh, documentaries. We like cars. Drives <laughs> an like, NSX. We like John DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're you're so sold right before you even walked in. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a very enjoyable movie. Thank um, you. DeLorean's iconic. A very interesting story. His life is wildly fascinating. Uh, I mean, there 
one of the first things they say in the doc is how many movies have been, I don't know if the right word is option, but how many times it's been discussed sort to make a attempted. movie of this guy's life. In a, in a way, he would be the Freddie Mercury of, of the automotive world. <laughs> But they've never made a feature. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things. So I had actually been one of those competing projects uh, back in 2009 when there was a flurry of them. So there was my project. There was one with Brett Ratner. There was one with a guy named David Permit um, and another guy named Andy Trapani. And what was interesting about it was each project had its own version of John in terms of the fact that they had different intellectual property, different family members attached. And each one proclaimed to be telling the true story, the real story of John DeLorean. So when... Uh, when I circled back with my directors on this in 2015 and we were discussing fresh ways of approaching this rather than doing just a traditional doc, we thought, well, you know, maybe cracking the John DeLorean story is going to be the best way doing it through these, these various competing projects as the launching off point. Like, why is this man's story so hard to tell? Why hasn't anyone been able to accomplish it in the last 35 years? And so that was really the, the sort of starting off, jumping off point um, for us. Obviously came up with the DeLorean, was with GM, sort of took Pontiac to the performance world with the GTO, was a guy who back in a day with sort of, you know those old pictures you see it like sometimes at the hardware store or at the car dealership from the 50s where everyone's got the same horn rim glasses mm-hmm. and skinny ties, there's white guys with the brill cream in their hair and stuff. He was the young mod, like fresh good-looking dude with the swagger. Yeah, and bit he, of a playboy. Yeah, and he was sort of poised. You know, He was on the short list of guys who are going to take over GM, like the biggest company in the world, and he broke it off and wanted to do his own thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he was sort of, you know, definitely going in a different direction than most of the people back then. I mean, he you know wore the clothes that they didn't want him to wear. He was dating the people that they didn't want him to date. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, he was sort of a maverick. And, uh, you know, he crossed hairs with GM just one too many times, and that's when they finally had to separate. Did – do you think – Kind of a marketing genius, right? That was – A hundred percent. I mean, I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is he created product placement before the term even existed. So yeah, when, when he was – a Vince McMahon before 100%, you know, in a different world. 100%. He was giving away these free cars to all these these uh, Hollywood shows in the 60s, and the GM brass is saying, what the hell are you giving away thousands of dollars worth of free cars? And he said, well, they're putting it on their TV shows, and then yeah. we're selling all these other cars because of it, and they really couldn't grasp that whole aspect to it. Do you think that and, – and, you know, and those, those automotive manufacturers in Detroit and that time period, they, they didn't have the crazy competition with all the – Datsuns and Toyotas and Hondas and everything that were pouring in. So they weren't like as lean and mean. Like they weren't thinking. They're like, they're fat cats. We got we got a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Everyone's rich. What are we giving cars away for? Like yeah. they, they weren't thinking in an innovative fashion and looking down the road because they were like alpha alpha predator. There was no, there was no, no Japanese cars, no anything was coming at, no imports, no anything. Yeah. Um, the show is uh, the movie, which is uh, framing John DeLorean, and it's uh, available as we speak on video on demand and in select theaters. It's a very fascinating tale, and of course, having Alec Baldwin in it um, as DeLorean and pulling it off—you know—they don't look alike, but with prosthetics and whatnot, he did. 
Uh, very interesting. So how did we get Baldwin into this project? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where when you look back on it now, it was just meant to be. Um, so the I like Baldwin was a fan of my director's previous movie, The Art of the Steel, which is also where I connected with them back in 2009. They, they did this incredible documentary. And at that point, I decided I really wanted to work with them to be uh, the directors on the project. Um, and so when we started out on this, we had the concept of doing both the reenactments as well as possibly shooting the reenactments. Uh, but we didn't actually approach Alec until about a year, a year and a half into the production. Uh, we shot the entire documentary and put that together and then figured out which parts would best be served having these reenactment scenes. Uh, when we approached him, he was interested. And when we first got on a phone call with him, he told us the crazy story about how John DeLorean called him a few months before he died in 2004 uh, to ask him if he would portray him in, in a film that, that John at that point was developing with, a, with another producer. And our jaws just about dropped when we heard this because we had no idea that was the case. And you know, for Alec, he really wanted to make sure, you know, this was coming off the popularity of, of his Trump impersonation or sort of parody mm -hmm. on Saturday Night Live. And he really wanted to approach it as a serious role. He didn't want it to feel like a parody. So for him, it was really, can I pull off the look in a way that's going to be convincing? And he, even he self-admits, I'm not as tall as John, I'm not as lean as John. But if he if he could at least pull off the, the look with the prosthetics and the wig, then he'd be comfortable doing it. And, and fortunately... We did a few tests, uh, test runs at Saturday Night Live, and uh, just with some of the current prosthetics and, and wigs they had, not even the custom one, he saw it. And I saw the twinkle in his eye at one point, and I knew, okay, he's going he's gonna to do this with us. DeLorean had some plastic surgery. He had his chin, he had the chin. enhanced or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's what makes him so fascinating is he is a character in himself in terms of the fact that he – he saw that he needed to brand himself in the in the late sixties and seventies, which meant he was working out. He had the he had the chin implant. Um, you know, he would dye his hair, dye his hair, you know, eyebrows. Um, he had a little bit of a nose job. I mean, he and, you know, constantly tanning himself. It, yeah, he was and a it fascinating like character. In some of the footage, you can kind of see the before and after. You can see like an early image of, of oh, Gloria yeah. without the chin and everything. Right. And you're like, who is this young man? And then you see him older, like, where did he grow that chin? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. Normally. But then when you guys clarify it in the film, I'm like, oh, that's... It's, yeah, you kind of have to because you're like yeah. it's not the same person. I know it's crazy. Do we look at? So I was kind of thinking about uh, John DeLorean, and I was, I saw the film, your film. Um, yeah, it must have been a couple of weeks ago. So I, it was on my mind, and a good doc works that way. You, you start thinking about the story, and you kind of sometimes you'll do a dive, like, ooh, I want to look into. Uh, Ayrton Senna, who was that guy? Proust, Proust, who was the guy he was racing as teammate, whatever. And you start taking this, you go on the internet and you want to learn more about who these guys yeah. are. And and that's what a good doc does. Um, so I was in here and it was like on my mind and I was talking to Dr. Drew about it. And I, I have this theory that most people are not good and bad. They're sort of weak. And the reason... There's a bunch of construction material dumped on the street behind this warehouse. It's not because the guys who dumped it are bad. It's because the guys who dumped it are poor, and they don't want to pay 100 bucks and take it to the dump in Sunland, so they dump it here. But it's not because they're criminals. It's because it's free, yeah. and they don't have money. Yeah. And the reason 
there's no soda cans in the pile of junk that's dumped over there because soda cans are worth a nickel apiece. So when the guys are, are dumping the back of their pickup truck at midnight on Tuesday night on this back street, they're not dumping the soda cans. So are they into recycling? Are they into the environment? Are they good people? Are they bad people? Yeah. No, they're just weak. And, and, and when you're weak, you just do – you then get pushed into things that are bad because – most people don't have that kind of constitution. So DeLorean, I never thought of as a bad guy, but he was a guy who got himself into trouble. He was like over, over leveraged with his car company. He mm-hmm. needed an influx of cash, and somebody told him you can make it fast by selling drugs. And I don't think of him as a drug dealer I, or even a criminal. I And you have to also think to yourself like – what would you do? Like, what if you were really strapped for cash, you needed millions of dollars, and somebody just went, I can get that for you fast. It's going to take a couple of meetings. Like, who amongst us would go, no, drugs are wrong. I'm not going to get involved with that. Or who wouldn't say, tell me more? And I feel that's kind of him, but am I? Am I? is, is your assessment that assessment, or is there something I don't know? No, I, th- I think you're you're spot on. I mean, listen, the, the title of the film, Framing John DeLorean, is a double entendre, obviously. We're trying to frame his life through the lens of, of different individuals and people that knew him and sort of let the audience set, decide at the end how they want to come off you know, feeling about him as a person. And a lot of that is very mixed um, in terms of the good. You know, you look at his, his kids and the way they, they see him. You look at the previous business partners, some of which he screwed in very you know, bad ways. Bill Collins, the one that created the GTO, and then it was subsequently created the prototype, but then he, he shuttled him to, uh, to go over with Colin Chapman at Lotus. So you see those moves. And then in terms of the drug bust, you know, he, clearly the sting was a frame job from the standpoint that they were pushing him into doing this when he really would never have on his own come up with this idea. But there was that element of John where he was always looking for that easy way out. And you can see that through other episodes in his earlier in his life. And with this one, you know, he, he never thought he was going to have to sell drugs on the street. He thought it was coming through a legitimate bank. And, and you, we break down for the first time. There's a lot of interviews in this doc that, uh, with people that have never spoken publicly before, including the undercover D agent, other undercover FBI agent, uh, who are in those black and white grainy surveillance footage um, things. And he, you get a sense his character is definitely on – the morally corrupt side once in a while, but you get a sense it's a little bit like this Robin Hood style uh, mentality where he, he's, he's thinking that at the end of the day, I'm doing this for the Belfast workers. I'm doing this for, for my own gain. And it's, it's a little muddled. The, I, I yeah. agree, but except he, he, he still seems like he has this gene. He's got this skewed moral compass a little bit because one hundred percent. Yeah, because you know the the drug bust thing. Yeah, that was a big portion of the film, and it was potentially a frame job of whatever. And you're right; his motivations could have been. As you're watching, you're like, oh, his motivations are because of all the pe- thousands of people that work there. And then we get a little further in the film. We're like, also, he did the Colin Chapman thing and then stole $17 million yep. and pocketed $9 million. Well, and you're like, well, yeah, because you kind of got that in you. Like, he's got a little bit of that in him. 
And that's I, why he wouldn't back away from, you know, like what seemed like an easy drug deal. Just like a little bit of something. There. I may be tipping my hand morally. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like if you were saying like, I'm going to start a company, I'm going to raise a bunch of money and yeah. I'm going to start my own whatever company and you raise 17 million bucks and then you went to Indiana and they're like, oh no, we'll give you the 17 million. We'll build the factory. Yeah. And you were like, oh, okay. I feel like I got 17 million bucks. It's mine now. And I'm trying to think of who. Now, everyone would try to figure out a way to keep the 17. A a small group of people would go, I have to give everyone their money back. A larger group of people would go, I got to figure out a way for no one to know I have this money. Like, it's probably a slightly larger group of people who would go in. So what I'm saying is, is I think most human beings and especially now not my mom but business people would go oh i just raised 17 million and now these guys are going to pay for the factory how can i figure out a way to keep the 17 million bucks now some people would go how do i figure out a way to legitimately keep this 17 yeah, million yeah how do you treasure chest that or how do i do how do i keep half of it legitimately or how do i whatever which is what most business people do but a, a large a larger group or large group would go, how do I do it and not have anyone find out? And probably the minority would be, give the money back to everyone who gave it to me. Right. But it doesn't have to be the give the money back. There's legit right. conversation of, we've got this. Let's treasure chest I, this. I, I Maybe we it. can bonus out the executives. The thing that was and, interesting is the Colin Chapman part yeah. because that guy was always – just the lotus guy and he was nobility in the race world and i never heard any scuttlebutt about colin chapman and he passed before this went down i guess but how did that play out yeah no the colin chapman thing i mean a movie could be done on on him yeah where's where's his half of the 17 well it's (laughs) funny so we, we we interviewed 55 people for the film which for me is a you know I'm coming at this project as, as a producer, but I'm also a DeLorean historian in terms of the fact that I've spent my life dedicated to learning about the car, the history of the man. That's how I befriended him late in his life and his Dr- kids. Drives an NSX, by the way. Well, and, and, and there's a tangential connection. Because <laughs> it runs. <laughs> no, well, also John DeLorean owned uh, two NSXs. Oh, uh, really? I, I had extensive conversations with him. Uh, I've got a picture in front of his big estate when I went out to, to see him the first time, and he's, you know, it's in front of his yellow NSX in front of his big house, which is uh, coincidentally yeah, well. now the Trump National Golf Course, wow. which is the clubhouse, which is strange in itself. But, um, yeah, I mean, going back to what we were saying before, I mean, the, the, there's a – there's a, looking at the picture. Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, so there's the picture of me and John and uh, – so now you can see why I had uh, Alec dressed in uh, in that same shirt for that last shot, <laughs> last yeah. shot in the movie. The uh, so Colin Chapman, oh yeah, it Colin basically Chapman. starts Lotus, right? Colin Chapman is the founder of Lotus. Now, what I was going to say was interesting about the interviews we did. So there are only twenty five interviews that ended up making in the film. One of the interviews uh, that I did was with Giorgetto Giugiaro, obviously one of the famous car designers of Italian design, and he's the one that penned the design of the Lotus Esprit as well as the DeLorean. And one of the first questions he asked me when I was in Italy. Oh, really? Him, yeah. Yeah. Was, Sorry, I was going to say the first gen Esprit is very DeLorean looking. Yeah. Absolutely. Very That's sort of slabby se- and, 70s wedge design. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also designed the BMW M1. So, that, so he has Whoa, that sort of a, that's well, his that makes aesthetic. Sense. Yeah. His aesthetic. So he's got he, one look. They, well, no, no. <laughs> that was his aesthetic at that time. But he's done a lot of stuff. Brilliant man. But one of the questions he asked me was, where have you interviewed Chapman? 
And I said, come on, are you serious? He's like, well, you know, he's in South America. And I, and so there's a, there's a rumor out there, which I've known about as well. And there's a conspiracy theory that he faked his death and he went to South America and lived out the rest of his years yeah. off of this embezzled money. And, and there's a lot of people, cause nobody ever saw the body. His wife was with him and she says he died and it was on a plane. It, there's a lot of strange things that circled this. And the fact that somebody like Giorgetto Giugiaro is even possibly thinking this is, is pretty amazing. What what year would mid eighties? What year did he die? Eight, eight, no, he died uh, literally a month after the drug bust. So end of eighty two. End of like the nine million goes as far as you think it does from eighty two. Well, it to does. Now. It does in <laughs> South America. Um, well, so here's the thing. It's interesting because I was like, yeah, what happened to Chapman? Yeah. And I don't remember a lot of fanfare around his death or even knowing if he was alive or dead. And, you know, we're in an analog time. I mean, in the 82, yeah. it was about we're getting to the end of you faking your death or like <laughs> being lost at sea. But it was pretty doable back then. And nine million in, in that part of the world would, would keep you going. Yeah. And that's a, that's an interesting thought. I'm, I, I poo poo every conspiracy theory, but the Colin Chapman uh, boys from Brazil sort of thought and maybe. Who's the, the Porsche guy that that? recently died or disappeared was it andile there was I a porsche guy recently yeah. disappeared yeah like I, within the past few years i think and oh he's like i don't or gambala was it the gambala guy gambala porsche? i don't know you're gonna have know. to find out but we can't <laughs> it's it's tough because i think olivia newton john tried it with her boyfriend like on a fishing boat or something a few years ago that one's already been done, and it doesn't. It's just the hard. It's been done. It's harder to do because everyone <laughs> has a like a gimmick. Everyone has like a ring doorbell with a camera in it. And shit, you just can't really get away with the shit that you want to get away with yeah. anymore. The UPS guy can't even show up without being on camera. Yeah, yeah I know, but it's weird. Like you can't. Like they go, oh, in in uh, in Brooklyn, there's a Hasidic Jew walking down the street, and a guy came up behind him and whacked him in the head. And they're like, all right, let's take a look. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, there's a camera. Like, you just can't you can't no. punch a Jew anymore. No. What's this world coming to? Do I want to raise my son in, in a nation world. where he can't punch to Hasidim and go home and sleep like a baby without fear of reparation? Is that is that what you're saying? I don't want to live in that you world. You don't want to live in that world. <laughs> no. oh. So, uh, 82, I think this is believable. And I was like, and, and Chapman was also like nobility, right? Yeah, he was. I mean, listen, he had a chip on his shoulder because – and we don't get into any of this in the film, but it, it's parts that I find to be fascinating. Um, you know, he had a chip on his shoulder because he wanted – he needed money from the, the British government to keep Lotus going. They were always sort of on the brink of, of – Right. Of, still are. Yeah. They're, right. they're still. I mean, he was spending a lot of his time and money on the racing circuit and less on the, the production of the cars, the hand-built cars. And so he asked for about $20 million from the British government, and, and they had denied him. And then literally a week later is when they, when they released that they were giving $140 million to this American John DeLorean to build his sports car in Belfast. So he was, he was quite ticked because of that. And, and you know the fact that they came together to productionize the car was, was sort of you know the perfect scenario of, of Colin being able to potentially – sort of shove it to the British government. And that's I think that's even more reason why they put together this whole GPD scam to, to embezzle yeah. this money. Well, I'll tell you, Matt, once you hit your spot, yeah. I'm going to tease this. I just put in the finishing touches on a, a Shelby dock. And in a way, Chapman is sort of the British Shelby to some degree. I mean, there's, there's some parallels there. But 
That would be a good subject for a doc if you make car-related docs like uh, I do. So we should talk. Give a, yeah. give a shout-out. Yeah, I'll tell you guys about Castrol Edge. Castrol Edge is stronger under pressure. Engines can lose up to 10% of performance due to friction, and Castrol Edge with fluid titanium transforms under pressure to keep metal apart and fight power-robbing friction to unlock exhilarating performance. It's three times stronger. Three times, fool! Than the leading full synthetic against viscosity breakdown per per the Kurt Orban test and 5W30 vis grade. Edge formula always exceeded the toughest industry standards, but the new and improved formula incorporates the latest technology that makes it transform to be the strongest when pressure is highest. Uh, yeah, Chapman had that cool little mustache, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was kind of a kind of a I don't trust you mustache, but he had a yeah. little flair. T- I mean, he had that same sort of Shelby. Like Shelby was racer, builder, marketer, businessman. You know, ladies' man. Like he had a lot of DeLorean, uh, Chapman, Shelby. They had a lot of the same going, which is like it wouldn't really matter how good a builder you were if you didn't have that salesman swagger. How are you going to get it off the ground? Yeah, and, and and for Chapman, he was less, I think, sales than John ever was. He he was really obsessed with the racing of it all, and and and, and a brilliant engineer. And, and John was just kind of in awe of him, which is kind of funny to see because everyone would always be tripping over John to sort of talk about how amazing of an engineer he was and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And you know, he had great admiration for Colin even after his death and all the scandal. And, um, you know, you look at what Colin did. I mean, the idea of just lowering the weight ratio of the car is not having to necessarily put the fastest, biggest engines in them, you know, but just making them yeah, as light as possible light. so that they could really zip around. And that was, you know, they still have that um, that aspect to them even today. But, um, you know, he was, he was a brilliant engineer. He just he had a little bit of a chip and shady streak, which, which aligned quite nicely with John at the perfect timing. There was a, you know, you've arrived because he did the DeLorean suspension. He did suspension for an Isuzu like impulse or something too there was like yeah. Isuzu made like a sports car and then the Lotus Elan was the Isuzu powered front wheel drive little convertible oh yeah. that's right oh that's a front wheel yeah, drive then, car yeah, in, in the 90s so it was like 90s, a yeah. 80s Isuzu I don't know was it called an impulse and it said like suspension by Lotus uh, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There what was that... a lot of like engineering partnerships, and still, like to this day, the uh, it, there's so many cars that are based on that. And that actually, how about the greatest marriage ever, AMC and Renault, to create the <laughs> Renault Alliance, the greatest automobiles? We took the greatest manufacturer of automobiles from the United States and paired them with the greatest. And called automa- it the Alliance, the two of the greatest, and we called it the Alliance yeah. to create the greatest automobile road going automobile ever created. Because <laughs> when you take the best Renault yeah. and the best AMC, <laughs> you put them together. Come on, yeah. powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time I don't know, take Ford and put them together with Mercedes or something. Right. But uh, mm, we've got an Aston Martin AMG mashup. Well, that's I, true. I, I watch your documentary and I see how much of that. Is, oh, is, the impulse are handle, handling by Lotus is what it would say. <laughs> handling on by Lotus. There it is. Yeah. It's actually, I'm sure it was utterly gutless, but in the world of 80, late 80s kind of cars, like a Mitsubishi Starion or something yeah, like that, yeah. it was okay, right? Looks like a Jajaro design as well. Yeah, from that yeah wedge, right? Pretty that wedge look. and wedgy. Yeah. All right. I like it. Probably <laughs> Max Pata. 
I found your next ride. All right. <laughs> you could pick one of those up on eBay like for well under 2500 bucks. I bet it's surprisingly fuel efficient. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't run. Because <laughs> it doesn't run. <laughs> I like the NACA scoop on the front of that thing. I watched the documentary, and I'm seeing how much of this is over time becomes more and more fueled by ego as well. Sure. When you get that success at GM, and he's like, I could – you know, I could get paid a half a million dollars a year. I can get paid three quarters of a million dollars a year, or I can do my own thing. And why shouldn't I do my own thing? And you know, and the vanity, the 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 ego for the whole thing. And I'm like, I kind of feel like in ten years from now, you can repurpose your film as the Tesla story because <laughs> I knew it's that's be... where you're going. Yeah, it's 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 so true. I mean, the the Elon Musk comparison to John, which he by the way hates being compared to John DeLorean, of course. But I mean, how can you not be compared? I mean, the 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 models of the two companies are completely uh, in sync. You know, John wanted to start with this ethical sports car, a car that wouldn't rust, made out of stainless steel, yeah, have good gas mileage, but also be performance sexy car. Uh, you know, Musk and Tesla wanted to make a car that's great for the environment, that would also be very safe and have all these innovative features. And they both knew that starting with a sports car was the only way to do it to get a yeah, lot of attention. Which was a Lotus. Which exactly, <laughs> which was based off of a Lotus chassis. Yeah. So there's even more you know synergy connection there. And then of course come out with sedans, which for the DeLorean they already had a four door, you know, ready to go. It was going to be another year of production that would. Oh, they, they would, did. Yeah, they were ready to do. I mean, he knew he couldn't support a mass production car on just one model, so he was ready to do the four door, then mm-hmm. eventually something else. And you know, with Musk, of course, he came out with the the Model S and then the the, the X, and so he's he's reached a certain success that John never was able to get to based on the deep wallets of people. Well, the economies of scale have changed, but absolutely but not much else has. No, and, and know, his story is still I mean, still there's being government written. money, and there's you know you 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 build a gigafactory in so and so place because you know well, that state or whatever's going. Oh, well, you know we got tax breaks, we got millions. I was talking to Drew. I don't know why about the flying <laughs> wing and. Northrop and they it, the idea of the flying wing was a good idea and it was there but you couldn't do it with 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 cables controlling everything you need a computer and a fly by yeah, yeah. wire you know you needed that technology so the idea is there the idea is good but it's before it's time like it can't be done at some point you need a computer to make that thing fly and i feel like uh Elon is benefiting by having a computer. I mean, DeLorean didn't have a computer. Everything was analog he had to do. And I yeah. don't know if that's helpful or hurtful, but I feel like it's well, the, the easier The technology now. and the engineering is is leaps and bounds different. And, and well, I mean, easier – what I'm saying is, is to do a bespoke anything is just easier now than it was when everything was just analog and mechanical, right? Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. And for John, you know, he had to rely on a lot of existing technology to get that car built in the time frame that he needed to build it. So, you know, going with the PRV engine, yeah. by the way, is, you know – often criticized but it was the only route he had to be able to actually get the cars made was that an opal it was the peugeot renault Volvo engine that they were sharing what about the the alliance (laughs) (laughs) no but tesla started that way too with the lotus platform and the roadster they had to rely on a lot of existing technology absolutely he was going to be he was going to be an electric drivetrain company basically i'm going to be the battery and drivetrain company and i'm going to sell it to mercedes i'm going to sell it to, to toyota and i'm going to do that and then Things evolve. Yeah, he was able to make his own. Yeah. It, I, I we know need the Tesla Alliance. Matt's not a. I don't think he's a fan. Well, of Elon. What I'm saying is, is I think everyone else gets pumped up about it, and he sort of sees a company that's not 
doing as well as what people are saying. Yeah. And it's also, not about the product. I'm a fan of what they're trying to do, and they started an entire movement within the automotive world. Every car company has their electric vehicles that are coming out, Porsche and Audi and Jaguar and everybody. Like, he's innovated, really made mainstream electric vehicles. But behind the scenes, it's a kind of a mess. It's not profitable. People it's just aren't like getting can't the pay the bills, and, and it's just like. But you've got the billionaire tycoon sitting at the top, and it kind of is like, well, how much? How much is he putting into the company? What's he doing? Yeah, you know. No, it's it's, 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 just, it's just it's a it's a compelling story, and it's one that uh, doesn't have an ending yet. But I think uh, yeah. as long as it doesn't end in a in a, a lot of hotel a lot of, room with a, a suitcase of cocaine, right. and, <laughs> like I don't want it to go there. But there's a yeah. but but there's a version of that. There's a lot of. Hey, uh, uh, I've got a Model 3. It's out there. We're making them. I can't afford to make it. So I'm going to announce a pickup truck, and I'm going to take quarter million, billion dollars in deposits on a truck that doesn't exist. Yeah. So I can pay for the car that I should be making. Like, there's a lot of, yeah. the, the, you know, well, like, there's a what, lot of chucking and jiving going on behind the scenes. not a lot of car there. companies doing that. Also, getting away with, like, we're going to start testing with real people and, and kill them. Like, name any other industry in the world. There's a pharmaceutical company going, hey, I've you got a new painkiller. with real people? He's yeah, well, like those, all the, all the those... self driving stuff. He's just oh. testing with real people. Oh, I see. I thought I thought yeah. you meant crash testing. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, no, there's a version of that. Crash testing legally with the government is like yeah. a five million dollar test. Yeah. So why just why not do it on the four hundred five? Well, yeah. I, the, my only thing, the thing that pisses me off is when he was unveiling his new hyper car, the the Roadster, the new Roadster. Next Gen, yeah, and, and it looks like, badass. And zero to sixty cool. in like one point nine seconds and two hundred and fifty miles an hour. It's like it's not. <laughs> it's not it can't go, go that fast. It can't. It can't. Not on a battery. And and I think I don't know. Was it Leno? Leno's garage? Yeah, I they had was the out testing it. over there. But I think they were announcing two fifty or over two hundred miles an hour. And I was like, no fucking way. This yeah. guy's PT Barnum. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. shouldn't. Don't repeat that. Or or go do it. Uh, that's go, right. You've got to be go, able to back it up. Do, you got that's, the car. Go over 200 miles an hour. That's the point. It's like your computer model said, in theory, it'll do that much, but jeez. And that, that is a similarity with John. I mean, he would say outlandish things, and, and the people behind the scenes would be like, oh, John, please don't say that. We don't, we don't know if we can actually back that up. You know, it was, yeah, well, Max Zapata, what was the new Tesla Roadster claim? I think was it, it was over 200. I don't know yeah. if it was 250, but <laughs> get it's, the fuck yeah, it's, out of it's here. It's a lot. Or go do 250 and then come back and tell us. <laughs> I'll tell you what, look that up real quick. I'll tell you guys about Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off your dry cleaning. You pick up some milk. And now you can add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Be sure to go to Geico.com. Now it is 250 It is 250 right claim. on the Tesla website. But now here's the thing. The, the, the 1.9... I'm sure they vetted that, or I'm sure yeah. they've done a zero to sixty test. Where's your two fifty test and plus two twenty mile range? Oh, yeah, and six twenty mile. And look, I look at that. and I'm like, that's awesome. I would love to see that. Oh yeah, with a six hundred mile range, right? Yeah, it's like, but is it going to happen? Mm. It runs eight eighties in the quarter mile, according to their 
like they can test that, right? Can't we just they cut out the test, auto club can, speedway and just do it? <laughs> they can test everything if they if they want. Yeah, yeah it goes yeah. over two hundred and fifty miles an hour. But you're right; that's the hype. Like I'd put a deposit down on that if they if they can do that. But I want it back when it doesn't go two fifty. <laughs> well, I'm not saying <laughs> they haven't, be- but I'm saying if they did, I think we'd know it. There'd yeah. be some footage. There'd be a GoPro dash cam or something, something with right? a radar gun or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not over 250. <laughs> uh, what is the, is it Bugatti Chiron or something? Like, what is the, the thing? 262 or something? Like, oh, what the is the Bugatti. It's C H I R O N. Is that the, is that 261. The, it's 261. That's wow. the leader in the clubhouse. Oh, uh, well, that's, that's the uh, Chiron's top speed. Yeah. I bet yeah, they I think, tested it. I bet that's the highest. <laughs> I bet they tested. And no one's going to be able to really test it on the street, so they, they're probably thinking no one's going to be able to call them out. Yeah. On now the Kona Zag is probably going after that. So there's this race for 300 miles an hour. It's like Bugatti, Kona Zag, Hennessy. These guys are all going after 300 like miles an hour. Sounds like the race that's going to get there first is Whitey. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, three those are some white dudes. Some pretty white dudes. <laughs> Kona Zag is a white dude. He really is. He's kind of. He's, he's like that dude from Powder. White. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so funny because at the at Pebble Beach two years ago, I pulled right up next to him in my NSX. Did you keep going? And and, and, and I looked over at him and he said, "Oh, nice NSX." And I was like, "Well, nice your car." Yeah, and he yeah. said it in his evil accent me, too. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, that's he's, why he's, I drive a Corolla. <laughs> it doesn't have the prestige of the Koenig. Yeah, but, but nobody name, bothers you. We get that name thing going. <laughs> What color is your NSX? It's a silver. It's a, they only made 500 in that color. The first the black years. with the black top. With the black on top. It. Yes, the, the the pulp fiction one that the wolf, That's wolf right, drove the wolf. in that car. I love oh, that you drove a silver one. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. A, such a it's a cool finesse. Car, it's an aluminum car, right? Aluminum panels. Yeah, on the first car? all monocoque uh, bodied aluminum car to come out. And it's uh, yeah, it's not inexpensive. It's got a if you Honda get a ding. V6, what about two sixty horsepower, two eighty? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right around two uh, two eighty uh, V6 with the you know the uh, VTEC. Super which, tweakable, but you don't want to mess with that. Yeah, but talk about just like a, a good. It's just a Honda Acura engine. It's like a good start every day run. Yeah, I mean, have you had problems with it? No, yeah. I've I've had it for about seven years now. I bought it luckily at the lowest point. Yeah, uh, at the buying process, they've gone up obviously with the new gens coming out. Um, and I'll track it basically maybe once every year. Um, you know, not not trying to abuse it too much, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a beautiful car and it's one that I also yeah. wanted when I was young. So the DeLorean that, and then my favorite car though is a 1990 uh, Acura Legend. Which will kind of throw yeah. you guys for a loop. <laughs> I mean, don't trade the NSX for that, but no, sure. That's go an incredible on a, car. Go on a Craigslist and pick one up. You can <laughs> yeah. overpay on no, one on a, bring cool, a trailer if those, you want. Those are some cool pieces, yeah. but that's a front wheel drive car, isn't yeah. it? It is. Yeah, mm. that's the only. That's the only. It, it, the Lexus is from that first gen. We're, we're rear wheel with the V8, so people kind of tend to go to that. But the, there's something about that G1 Legend that's uh, holds yeah. a special place got, in my heart. I got a thing with front wheel drive. It's like. This chick used to do porn, but she's really nice, and she's found Jesus Christ, and she's <laughs> yeah. attractive, but and she she's, still used to do porn, like, and it's documented. It's kind of a deal, but I like her. She's sweet and all, but <laughs> and listen, I'll drive her around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. but I, I just can't go full time. Yeah. It's it's a deal breaker. Like yeah. the front wheel drive, just a little. <laughs> it's the porn of power trains. <laughs> it's the porn of power trains. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so wait a minute. It's, uh, the Venom is 301. Yeah. 
Wow, that's documented. Hennessy. Not, not, not documented not yet. Documented. Not documented yet. They're still working on that. I'm going to go with Matt on this. Also yeah. knowing Hennessy a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I'll go with that's yeah. not documented. It's not documented. We'll see where it goes. Hennessy's looking so he's pretty white. Yeah, uh, he <laughs> He's not as white as Koenigsegg, no. but he's pretty white. Yeah. Okay. But he's Texas white. He's not like evil <laughs> yeah. henchman white. Uh, is the Co- so is the Koenigsegg is that two seventy eight documented or is that what they're shooting for as well? Is we don't know if the Koenigsegg is that documented or not. I'm going to say documented on that. Koenigsegg. I'll say documented. Uh, Bugatti's at two seventy one. So the Hennessy, it's probably not documented. But we'll see if, if it is. But yeah. he's cool, dude. He picked I, us I, up no, in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Right? I like him, and, and he's got a cool project going on, and. Uh, and I think he's a small enough company. He's got some flexibility to go, all right, we went out, we tested it, we hit 290, whatever. I was like, okay, what do we need to do? We need to add more power. We need to, we need to, you know, we need to up the boost. We need to do something to it. And like, let's go for it. Let's go and get it. I think he could probably get it. I mean, he's certainly got the desire to do it. 300 is so much is about. batshit nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> it's and it's it so much about tire technology and oh, aerodynamics. It's yeah. so much about aerodynamics at, at yeah, that point. So Hennessy's is a claim. Uh, yeah. See how you know everything? Yeah, it's like I, I, I've told people looking through the computer all the time, like you're wrong, and like I'm looking at a computer, and I'm like, nah, yeah. that, that, I know that guy. That's Fake not news, whatever. Yeah, like you know, you know, right? Sorry, he, he I'm going to say Koenigsegg's probably documented. I go documented with Koenigsegg as uh, well. That one is documented. There's yeah. a YouTube video. Yeah. Right. So winner, winner. this is why I profile everyone all the time. Because when you start yeah. profiling people and companies and humans, and yeah. like if, if the Koenigsegg says that, you go, oh, he did that. If if uh, John DeLorean said it or if Elon Musk said it yeah. or whoever, you might go, well, let me see that. Let yeah. me look into that. I, I like the way the government says, you can't tweet that out, Elon Musk. You're going to have to pay $5 million. I feel like if you claim your car goes 250 on Twitter and it's not documented, you get a fine. The government needs to find you. SEC says you're a publicly traded company. You can't make batshit claims on your cargo at 250 plus. Well, it's it's funny. I feel like there's something going on behind the scenes because I feel like he is being uh, given a very long leash by the government. He does. Uh, you know, in terms of some of these missteps that he's made. And, and I'm not really sure exactly what the story is behind there other than maybe they just don't want to be the ones to, to put the hammer down on somebody that everyone looks at as this visionary that's trying to do the good for all at this well, stage. Well, yeah. You know, big picture and a little outside of the car realm. Realm, there's a, a new world order in that you, you take all the big tech companies and all the way to distribute information. And, you know, back in the day, I think the government would say like, hey, GM or hey, Pepsi, we make the rules. You listen to us and we this is what you do. Yeah, but GM and Pepsi can't get you elected. <laughs> and now you have to take a little different approach toward Google or uh, whatever, Facebook or whatever, yeah, whatever it yeah. is, what you got to take, you got to watch, you take your hat off before you enter that meeting if you're the government, because these are the guys going to get you elected. And let's be careful about how we treat them or how they feel about us. Yeah. Because if they don't like you, they can start working algorithms and you're going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. And so, in a weird way, Elon and big tech 
are starting to be bigger than government, and they're the kid who could wish you into the cornfield right. like from the Twilight Zone. It's not <laughs> too big to fail. It's big enough to change the rules. Right. Yeah. The next yeah. election is going to be heavily decided by all these big tech entities, yeah. and you can already see them sort of taking certain – political ideas and voices that they don't like they're already kind of cleaning house a little bit and yeah. it's going to make it's going to make an impact and you better watch the way you address them yeah if you're in government uh. especially when you're luddite and you don't know anything about technology like you don't know anything about this world all you know is this world is going to make or break your next election in your world yeah and so approach it with caution Oh, I could do another hour just on that alone. <laughs> and, then, and then the government trying to break these companies up and stuff. It's like, uh, I get thoughts on that, too. I right. a lot of opinions on that. We'll write them down. We'll bring you in on my show. <laughs> Let me hit JB Weld. For big or small repair projects at home or in the garage, you need something that lasts. We're proud to have JB Weld Epoxy Adhesives as our sponsor. They do everything, and we use oh, these guys for everything. And uh, they use super glue. And they call it super glue. They call which I it like. Uh, is it is it uh, super weld or something? They, I don't know. I remember yeah, we were they're... talking to them. I was like, "Are you allowed to say super glue?" And they're like, "Yep, <laughs> we are." <laughs> so you can keep your JB Weld uh, in your toolbox, kitchen drawer, craft room. Good for metal, wood, plastics, and more. You used to just use it for like muffler repair. Now you can use it for everything. They make everything. Made in the USA. Company's been around for more than fifty years, and uh, it's good for anything that's broken. JB Weld, high te- high temp stuff too. I like. Oh yeah, they got that too. It's available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, O'Reilly, Walmart. It's Amazon everywhere. JB Weld. So uh, Tamir, what do you got? So. I feel like we're kindred spirits here because yeah, we both like, we yeah. both like making doc. documentaries, but we both like car I know. related no, stuff. No, it's, it's more than that. I mean, you're, you're actually the reason why I'm sitting here right now because what? when uh, I used to be a big fan of Loveline back in my high school days and in college, I uh, did a show similar to Loveline where I was Dr. T. It was Dr. T and Paul's show. I was Dr. T, the board certified doctor of love, and it was a live <laughs> call-in <laughs> cable access show in southern Wisconsin. And so I was going to go into the medical field, and then after doing that, my friend encouraged me to come out here to try and uh, you know go into the entertainment business. And so that's really how it all sort of started. Um, but from a car perspective, yeah, I'm a huge car guy, and, and a lot of the projects I'm working on do revolve around the car space just because I think there's – and as you can see with a lot of these feature films that are coming out, there was a real lull after Tucker. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody wanted to sort of touch that space. And now you're seeing some of these other car, you know, car movies come out, like the Ford versus Ferrari and some of these yeah, other ones. Yeah. And and I think you know, people see there's a lot of interesting drama associated with these types of characters behind these 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 films. Well, we uh, hope because the way Hollywood works is if two volcano movies come out in the same month and they both tank, <laughs> it's 50 years before they make another <laughs> volcano movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Except if, Batman. They just keep making Batman movies. Well, <laughs> they make one that sucks, and then the next one's good, yeah, and then they make Chris one that Renault sucks Miller, again, like, and then the next one's good. Yeah. And so they they figured that. I mean, yeah. they, I don't know if they figured Although it they out. They did make like three Fantastic Four movies, I think. Those all suck. I'm saying <laughs> you yeah, pick that's a true. theme. That's like, true. Like they yeah. made 
they made a couple of dragon movies yeah, and those tanks. There was like no more, no dragon, more dragon, but then Game of Thrones, so maybe there yeah. is going to be a dragon You're movie. You're right, though. There was a good long beat between the dragon movies and Game of Thrones. Right. So <laughs> when they make, whenever a car movie comes out, we all have to root for that car movie because those of us, us who want to make car movies, it's going to rely on that car movie. When I did goddamn uh, American <laughs> Top Gear for goddamn ABC, yeah. I did the pilot and they had put back on Knight Rider. They did like Knight Rider yes. 2009 or something. Like these idiots put Knight Rider back on. And then Knight Rider tanked. Of, as, of course it would yeah. tank. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. And then the Knight Rider tanked and we had a great pilot. And then NBC or ABC or whatever is like, oh, no, we're not in the car business yeah, anymore. Everybody hates it's, cars now. Yeah. It's like, like, no, people hate a Knight Rider reboot. What could yeah. be more different <laughs> yeah. than Knight Rider? Yes, they both own cars. Or they're <laughs> cars. True, you guys yeah. drove cars here today, so yeah. you're in the <laughs> yeah. car business too, according to that logic. But we had a great pilot that never saw the light of day because they were failing with Night Ride, and they just want no more car shit. So yeah. that that can happen. So we should be rooting for Ford v. Ferrari. Absolutely. Yeah. Or framing John DeLorean. And framing John DeLorean. <laughs> and framing John DeLorean and... And an the, Airwolf reboot. The art of driving racing in the, racing rain. In the rain, a Dempsey thing yeah. coming out yeah. soon enough. Anyway, uh, framing John DeLorean, it's a really great watch. Um, Baldwin's all over it. And, and it, it's, it's, it's done in a way that you just haven't seen before. So it's, it's, it's very innovative. And then the character is super fascinating. And I knew something about DeLorean and, and his automobile, but I did not know nearly as much as I learned after watching Framing John DeLorean in select theaters today, available on uh, VOD as well. And um, you can shoot him a tweet at Framing, sorry, at, yes, Framing DeLorean and uh, the website, FramingJohnDeLoreanFilm.com. Uh, yeah, Tamir, we got to talk, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm some, ready. We, I've got some projects that I think you're going to be interested in. My God, I got projects too. Too many projects. (laughs) All right. Uh, Denver, when is that? Tonight? Yeah, tonight and tomorrow night. Um, The first show is sold out. You got to confirm, Max Pata, but someone told me on the radio today, I think. Um, I think the first show is sold out, but they're pushing uh, for the late show on Saturday, and then there's some tickets on uh, Friday shows as well. So two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and I'll be doing stand-up, and Adam Carolla's unprepared over there. Live shows everywhere. Just go to adamcarolla.com and uh, see my special Not Taco Bell material mm-hmm. as well. And uh, what do you got? Shift and Steer? Shift and Steer. Check that out. And uh, we did a nice little, just a little departure on char- on CarCast this week earlier we got into the Undertaker versus uh, Goldberg match and what happened and how Goldberg busted his head open. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> it was very dramatic. There was a that. lot going on. Didn't so, go according to plan. Until next time, Sam Kroll for Tamir Arden and Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.